Now they're uh, finishing up their video from last week, uh, as I've been informed, um, what they've been doing. Uh, and uh, they said, uh, I believe they said that they have 45 minutes left. Uh, so I've been given permission. No, I'm just <laughs> there are uh, some strange jobs. We've been talking about jobs of Christ now for uh, half a year. There are some strange jobs that you never knew existed, uh, and, or maybe you did know. You know there are human taste testers of dog food, which is, which is funny because dogs don't have taste buds. Uh, so I don't know when they figured that out. But, uh, so for, for years, people have been doing some pretty gross things. There are um, people who get paid in hospitals. Hospitals have a couple of interesting jobs. There are people that get paid to try to break in and steal the, the pharmaceuticals, the medicine uh, in, 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 in hospitals just so they can develop better security. And that's their job. They're, they're in the hospital and trying to get in uh, to where the medicine is stored. Um, there is what they call a standardized patient. You know what a, who knows what a standardized patient is? Anybody know? That is a, a person. They are paid about $15 an hour, and they sit in a hospital bed while medical students practice their bedside manner. And that's all. They come up and try to, and they critique them on, on, you know, whether I felt comfortable. And that's what they get paid to do is sit in a bed while people try to, to develop their people skills. Uh, there is a heritage officer. A heritage officer sounds pretty important. Um, he takes pictures of gravestones, and it has to do with record keeping. And they just walk around cemeteries taking photos of, of uh, gravestones. This is a cool job. Um, I didn't know it existed, but it is cool. There are people that get paid to throw explosives out of helicopters. That is awesome. Uh, they do that over mountains um, to trigger avalanches before uh, a human being does. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but, but there's a lot of jobs that you, you never knew Existed, and we're going to look at a job that uh, Christ holds that you probably never knew existed, and uh, not necessarily a bad job. Just uh, wouldn't necessarily think that it's important of a job to be done, right? Uh, just like just like we talk about, there's a lot of jobs that you wouldn't think necessarily need to be done. Uh, and this one, however, has a twist. Uh, how the job works depends on the person who receives the benefit. Now, that doesn't sound too—that doesn't sound, you know, too out of the ordinary. A lot of our jobs depend on the client. You know, a, a lawyer will, will give varying advice depending on uh, how deep in it his client is. Um, a engineer will design things differently depending on the project. Um, however, the difference here is that the service is exactly the same for everybody, but how it is received depends on the person. I know that's a little bit different. And so we're going to, to look at our, our, our text here. And this says, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, 4, it says, You come to him, uh, a living, as, talking about Christ, a living stone rejected by men, in the sight of God, but chosen and precious. And you say, I wouldn't think of a rock or a stone as being a job. I mean, they just kind of sit there. You know, a rock doesn't sound too exciting. On my honeymoon, uh, we 
Katie being from the West Coast and I being from the East Coast, we decided uh, we, since we got married out, out West and, and we were going to be moving out East, we decided that neither of us had seen the other person's ocean. So we were going to go look at the other person's ocean, see if it, you know, how much different they are. Uh, so, so we went up the Oregon coast for a while and then we went out and went up to Cape Cod. And so on the way up to Cape Cod, uh, I said, you know, it's funny because you never see the sites that are really close to you. You'll see everybody else's sites, and then there'll be like this thing that's half an hour away from where you live that you've never seen. So we decided to go see Plymouth Rock. I was going to shore Plymouth Rock, and where, the, where, where, these, where these pilgrims got off, and, 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 and here they are. Here's this rock. So, so we're, we're in Plymouth, and, and uh, I'm expecting this very dramatic thing. Uh, and this is what I saw. <laughs> I'm like, you couldn't miss that, you know. Uh, it was good that they have a lot of saltwater taffy in Plymouth because that was the only redeeming thing about that portion of the day. Uh, come to find out, it's worse than that. This is completely a myth. Uh, they landed at Provincetown, which is 50 miles to the east. So, so not only did they not hit this rock, they did not hit this town. It's completely made up. Uh, so, so here's a shrine and people visiting all day long, and it's completely a myth. Provincetown has a monument. Uh, it's a little bit different. That one's impressive. It's the largest granite freestanding structure in the United States. They know how to do something impressive. That's rock. This. Yeah. Uh, so... A rock not necessarily so exciting, except that ours, Peter says, is a, a living rock. Now that, that would be fairly impressive to see a living rock. I would, I would, I'd pay to see that. Uh, so we want to learn about the rock. Learn about the, the job that, that Christ does as a rock. Well, we need to learn what a rock is and does. Well, again, they're not too exciting. They don't do a lot of things. So, so, so what is the imagery? We sing a song a lot of times, uh, and you probably wondered what in the world this song means. Uh, and so we're going to look at it here a little bit. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Now, in this story, just a little backstory here, Samuel has just become the judge. Uh, he's he's kind of grown up. He's not a little boy anymore. And he's taken over. So, so we're not into the period where there's kings yet. Uh, they haven't rejected the judge. And this is like one of the first things they do. They've got all these Philistines around them and they're trying to clean up Palestine. Anyway, so he takes a, a nursing lamb and he offers it as a burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. It says, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a, a mighty sound that day against the Philistines, and he threw them into confusion. And they were defeated in front of Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. And then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Not till now the Lord has helped us. So you've always wondered what the, the word Ebenezer is. It has nothing to do with a Christmas carol. Uh, the, the word Ebenezer means the stone of help. It is a stone of help. It was an altar. And as we see, when, when, when people have some great event in, happen in their their 
culture or in their societies, the first thing they think is, let's put a rock here. Whether it's true or mythological, eh, hey, let's commemorate this with a big rock or a statue or something. We, we put something there to remember it. Uh, this morning, uh, we were talking about in communion. And here's this thing, something done to remember an important event that has happened to us. And, and so the first idea that we want to look at, what, what in the world, here we go, is a reminder. Uh, it is a reminder of uh, what has happened. It is a stone of help. We remember our stone of help. The next one, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 4, it says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ and I bet you didn't know that you could drink from a rock. That would be kind of hard on the teeth. Uh, I've heard of hard water, but that's taken it to a different level. Well, the, the concept here is provision. And what, what he's referencing here is, is this period while they're wandering throughout the wilderness. And, and every stop, you know, you're, you're in a desert, water can hard, hard to come by in the desert. And, and so here they'd find a rock and, and God would say, here, tap that thing with your, with your stick, Moses, and, uh, and, and water would come out from it. And he said, they kind of got the wrong idea that, that this was coming from the rock itself, this little stone or whatever they would find. And, and Paul here tells us, kind of is explaining years later, God is explaining through Paul what really happened. What really happened was that Christ was following them. There was nothing magic in the stone. There was nothing magic in this stick. But it was God giving provision when there was no other way. No one naturally expects water come shooting out of a rock except that God did it, that the spiritual rock that was producing this was Christ. And he, he explains that. Now, they would have never known that about the concept of Christ. They didn't understand God the Father and, and Christ and all this, but, but God explains, no, that was, that was Jesus Christ involved in the lives of Israel. And so a rock is about provision. The third thing that a rock is about, you find in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22, he says, So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so, I want to talk about reliability and what we need to understand what a cornerstone is. A cornerstone, to us, if you walk and, and see a nice government building, you'll see this, this uh, stone or facing facade piece. It's, uh, it, it might have a date in it and it looks really nice and that has, it, it, it might be referenced uh, as a cornerstone. Uh, most of them aren't even cornerstones because they're about this high off the ground, eye level, you know. And uh, it's like that, that would serve no function at all. But a, a cornerstone then actually served a major significant function uh, because they didn't have all the technology that we have um, when, it, when it comes to building. So what they did 
was they would, they would take a piece, and, and I don't know how they did it, but they would make it perfectly square. It was perfectly square and perfectly level. Uh, it, was, it was necessary. And if you didn't get the right one, you had to throw it out and start again if you couldn't salvage that one. And it was perfectly square because from that, they would take all the dimensions for their building. Well, if anybody's built anything and, and you're not really accurate with things, you, you get to a point where you realize, uh, this isn't really too square. Um, I, I was doing my deck last year and, and I kind of eyeballing it up, you know. And um, well, I could give you lots of examples, uh, <laughs> really. Uh, and, and found out that the, the, I had to take all my beams off of my deck that were supporting it because my, my thing was sloped like that, back towards the house. I mean, I suppose if it had been that way, it would have been not too shabby. But, uh, so I had to take the thing off. My, my pool, I, I built a, a, a platform because I've got a hill in the back of my house. And so we have a, a platform, nice concrete platform uh, for, for my pool and put sand on it and tried to level it up. I have a pool that leans like this. That's probably not wise, uh, but it hasn't capsized yet. Uh, so uh, I, I did go on YouTube uh, and, and saw plenty of leaning pools, and they were swimming in them, so it, it seems to be okay. Uh, when you don't level things, it, it's really important. Eventually, it is evident that... You messed up somewhere. The cornerstone of a building is quite important. Back then, now it's just a decorative piece. Gus says, he was a cornerstone for the church, and it has to do with reliability. Reliability in two fashions. One, he says, he says to them, who do you say that I am? And we, we know this passage by heart almost, probably. Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. And there's an idea in here uh, that, that has been taught that is incorrect, that, that Peter is the rock that is spoken of, because it seems to emphasize Peter's importance, but... Uh, the actuality is here that, that he is emphasizing Christ, not Peter. And if we, if we knew a little bit of... Uh, uh, because it's not evident in the translation that, that uh, Jesus liked puns. You don't realize that Jesus liked puns. But he makes a pun here. Uh, the word Peter is the word Petros. It means little stone. Uh, but the word translated here, rock, is Petra. It means a, It can mean a massive stone or a large. You know, kind of like that difference between uh, Plymouth Rock and the the Pilgrim Monument. You know, that kind of a difference. It, it, it's it's substantial. And he says, Peter, you're a little rock, but on this rock, this massive rock, I'm going to build my church. The massive rock is is what Peter has just said. It is the admission of Christ as the Son of God that he's going to build his church on. The church was not built on Peter. We already learned that, that Christ is the cornerstone. Peter is just a part of these apostles. 
this group that, that make up the rest of the foundation, but, but it is the cornerstone, it is Christ, it is the Son of God that is our foundation, that gives us reliability. And it's not just reliability, but Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it didn't fall. And we know the rest of this story. You know this entire story. But the point of this is that it was the words of Christ, the commands of Christ, the, the doctrine of Christ that forms the foundation. It's not just Christ Himself. Obviously, it's the, the Christ and, and his, his sacrifice and His resurrection that, that formed the basis. But, but it's also all the things He taught about humanity as the Maker. We began this whole year talking about Christ as the Maker. All the things that He knows about humanity and, and how we work and how we, we don't work and how things, you're out of level here and, and you need to fix this. Those things are important. And that's why He is the rock. And so it's reminder, it is provision and reliability. That's what a rock does. And you don't think of it. You know, rocks don't move. Rocks don't change. They just are there. And it is incredibly important to understand that we have a reliable Source. It's not changing. The doctrines of Christ don't change. Oh, culture is different. Good. Christ is the same. Christ's advice is the same. It doesn't matter the, the year. It doesn't matter the country. It doesn't matter when you live, where you live. Christ is the same. He is a rock. He's been set up to remember what God wants. And that will not change. He is reliable. And so... We want to know the rock. That's kind of a weird statement. Know the rock. But we are going to know Christ as the rock, not just to know about Him, not just to know some of the functions He does. But again, He offers us a way to have a deep and intimate connection to Him. Well, 1 Peter in chapter 2. He says, as you come to Him, and we read a little bit of this, now we're going to read the whole thing. He says that you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God you are chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, choice and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And it, it's kind of interesting that uh, in all of these passages about the cornerstone, it always includes this concept of, of being rejected by some and accepted by some. That is the, the point. We talked about Christ being a living stone. And yet now he shares with us one more thing. He says, you also are living stones. It's not just Christ that is a living rock, but, but we also, like Peter, are little stones. And he says, you get to be a part of this whole structure. Yes, there's the chief cornerstone, and then there's the apostles and their foundation, but, but he says, you also are a part of this structure. And so, there is an invitation. 
And the invitation is to assimilate. Christ being the cornerstone. You come as stones. Assimilate. Well, next passage in Romans chapter 9 says, What will we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is righteousness that's by faith. But that Israel who pursued law that would lead to righteousness, they didn't succeed in reaching it. So so here's a, a group that wasn't necessarily concerned with the law and somehow they got the point of the law. And here's a group of people that believed in the law and completely missed the point of the law. It's kind of a, a paradox there. They didn't end up getting righteousness, those Jews. He says, why? Because it was not pursued by faith. But it was like they thought it was based on works. They've stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Christ, another paradox, is the perfect stone. Think about that. He's the cornerstone. He was cut out. He was perfectly square. And somehow, in this structure, they threw away the perfect stone. They said, no, that can't be it. We're going to build some other way. And no, that can't possibly be it. You, you can't get a better rock. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. They said, no. And so they, they, they tossed it over here. And God says, I'm going to use that for a perfect building. It's the perfect stone. It's going to make the perfect building, the church. You guys, you, you keep building what you're building over there. This is not good enough for you, but it's good enough for perfection. To think that the world saw a perfect foundational piece as something flawed. And he says, if you choose this perfection, you will not be put to shame. We've been talking uh, in class about the evidences of Scripture. Uh, By the way, those things are, are posted on the Internet. And it is valuable information. And we concluded today... Uh, the section on proving the Bible with the most dramatic piece, the most forceful piece of proof for the Scriptures, which is the practical application of it all. More than all the the archaeological and more than all of these other evidences that, that there are of the Scriptures, the fact that it works when you try it, that is, that is what's really powerful in the Scripture. He says, you will not be put to shame. If you, if you practice this, if you taste, you will see that the Lord is good. If you try these things, you will find that they work. You will not be put to shame. People might reject you like they rejected Christ, but you will eventually be seen to be superior. Not, not because of you, but because you trust in what's reliable. That lifestyle will be seen as superior. You will not be put to shame. We have uh, Rubik's Cubes in our house. And we have someone who likes Rubik's Cubes in our house. And then doing all this, and I, I have no idea, I can do one level. And, and one of the things that's interesting about them as I watch them is that, is that I mean, it's a formula. It, it, and that's all it is, it's a math formula. 
do this, do, do. And, and you get to a point, and it looks like it's coming together, right? And then, and then you do this stuff, and it, it messes completely up. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're messing it up! And he's like, click, 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 boom. It works. It looks like you're messing it up, but it works. And it's amazing, and I don't understand it, but it works. The evidence isn't always there as you're doing it, but it comes out in the end, and that's the way it is with us. God says, it, trust me, it works. You will eventually not be put to shame. I know it looks like things are getting messed up for a little while, but it will come together, and you're like, whoa, that last move, it was, it was messed up, and then... God says, that's what we're doing here. It's click, 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 click. Wow, that came together. I didn't expect that to work. And so there is a promise. A promise that is going to work. Christ's work is when, when we accept the invitation and, and when we trust the promise. We are led to one more thing. Luke chapter 20 and verse 17 and 18 says, He looked directly at them and he said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but if it falls anyone, it will grind him to powder. Woo! Slow down. Well, you had me up until grind to powder and broken and all that. Whoa! Uh, the word grind to powder, uh, some of yours will say crushed. The, the word is what they used when they were talking about grinding on a millstone to make flour. And uh, in goes the grain and out comes fine powder out of this, out from between these two rocks. And they just, they just put this one rock on a bigger rock and just kind of turn that thing until powder comes out. It's like, this is your choice. Because up until now it sounded very nice. It sounds about promise and not being ashamed eventually and, and, and uh, becoming a part of this perfect structure. And it all sounds wonderful right up until we learn that rocks are hard. Right? Rocks are they, they're not soft, pillowy things. Rocks are they're stationary for a reason. They're heavy and they're hard. And this is, um, I'm a rock. And you have a choice. You can fall on me and be broken, or I can fall on you and grind you to powder. And neither one is really, neither one is, it's like, is there option C? Can I sit next to you? Or you know, what's the other options? Nope. Two, two options. And this is the choice. Uh, and that's the third thing. You can, you can accept the choice. You can make your choice. Everyone will make their choice. You can, you know, I like choices like mint chocolate chip or butter pecan. That's my kind of choice. But break or be crushed is, is not my kind of choice. It's not the choice that I would, I would draw up. But see, in, in putting these stones into a structure, God says, you come to Him as living stones. Well, stones don't naturally come perfectly square, do they? They've got to be worked on. Christ had to be worked on. Not because he was imperfect, but we talked about that 
being completed through suffering. Stones have to be worked on to, to fit where you want them. And he says, uh, you come as living stones. God's got to break off the rough edges. And he's got to fit you where you are. And he, he might have to cut this thing off and, and break this thing. It's uncomfortable. You come to him as a, a big rock. You know, you're going to break something. You have to break some rocks apart. What do you do? You put it on a bigger rock. <laughs> Pound it with a hammer. You just put it on dirt. You're not going to go, go places. Too soft. You put it on something with heavy mass and you break it. And God says, you come to me, you get broken. So be broken. And that's your choice. That's the preferable one. You can be ground to powder. That's not preferable. Be broken. Break your heart. Break your heart for lots of things. For the choices you've made. Break your heart for other people. Break your heart. That's how you get into this structure. Break your heart. And the other one is to break your habits. Right? We get habits, and those habits are pretty rigid. Right? You have a rigid habit. I do this every night. I know someone here that makes a cookie every night. Habit. I do this all the time. This is my habit. Break a habit. They are rigid. They are not flexible. You're going to have to be broken. And we're going to close with two questions. First of all, have you drunk from the spiritual rock? He says they were all baptized in the sea and in the cloud. This is an illustration, is what it was. It was a, a reference. They followed the spiritual rock. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. Christ is not far from any one of us, God says. He's, he's so close. He is so close. He is not far from any one of us. Have you drank? Have you signed up to become a part of that structure? And ask God to fit you in. Fit me into this because this structure is superior. This, I don't know what I'm a part of. I don't know what you're a part of in your, your everyday, where you are at. The things that you think that are important, that you are a part of. God says, I've got something that's better to be a part of. Drink from the rock. And the second thing as you leave oop, is to ask if you are craving some stability. Do you crave stability in your life? Is there something you just turmoil? We all have times of instability. We all have times where things seem insecure. God says, I am a rock. I don't move. I've always been here. I will always be here. 
there is stability. There is stability in the things I say. And there is stability in knowing that, that I am a part of, of something based on a man who lived, who died, and who rose again. There is stability there. We get off the beaten path. We, we lose sight of the rock. Or, or we find a, a rock 50 miles east. That's this little puny thing. God says, nope. There's a monument over here of the real deal. It's visible if you want to look over it. It's quite visible. It is quite strong. It is the strongest structure that's ever been built of its kind. It is a monument to stability. And so I ask you to leave with these two questions. Have I drunk from the rock? And do I need more stability? And they will be found in the same place.